Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and I am here with Terry Kemper. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning, Merle. How are you? Good, good. So hope we all enjoyed spring. That was yesterday. Um, <laughs> it was great. Um, I did get outside, had a had an hour of uh, vitamin D, so that was good. So now we're back nice. into winter. So uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be honest, I'm going through a little bit of gardening withdrawal myself this morning, so uh, I was yeah. treated to some pretty nice weather this past week, so I'll get I'll get through it though, but uh, yeah, we know it's there, it's just, uh, yeah. just delayed a little bit, so. Absolutely, yeah, no, and uh, yeah, Terry and I were, were visiting a bunch of our growers, checking on our crops, um, seeing how everything's looking, but even everywhere has shifted, it seems a bit... Um, they're behind a couple of weeks. I know Abbotsford Tulip Festival is April seventh, and there's barely a sign of tulips popping up anywhere. Yeah, so we might have to delay that. Yeah, I think uh, so. That might be May seventh. <laughs> <laughs> so when we look outside, don't be too discouraged. We're not the only ones, and no, and kind of everything shifted back a bit. But in talking to a lot of the growers too over the past few years. Um, obviously the global warming isn't happening. It seems to be just a cycle we're going through again, a bit cooler. And a lot of the guys are growing because the winters are getting more like winter, even out there and for us. And a lot of them are starting to do, they're putting up a lot more structures, doing a lot more growing undercover with greenhouses, etc. In even in the lower mainland and in Vancouver and some of the other areas. Um, where a lot of the growing happens for Western Canada for a lot of the garden centers. So it's yeah, interesting was, to see the shift, eh? It was really quite interesting seeing how much they're they're growing under uh, undercover now. Um, not elaborate structures, but still enough just to keep the the plants just a little bit on the warmer side, like like they're used to um, growing out there. Because obviously they're growing for production, so they have to absolutely uh, looking good and ready to go. Um, earlier than than we would be doing here so um yeah but really really impressive to to see what they're they're doing out there and uh all the new varieties of things so no and that's our goal um to all of our great customers and people that come and visit us at spruce it up we try to ensure that we have the best product we can for you so we we go out make the trips um visit with our growers check on our on our on our plants and see how everything's looking and see what's available and uh, start getting shipping ready to go and different yep. things so we might um, have to wait a little bit but there's there's some good stuff coming so just yeah no hold, we had people tight. in the garden center yesterday asking where the trees and shrubs it's still <laughs> still early yeah. and just so everyone knows tip yeah we typically bring stuff in first week in may i mean yeah first week in may Around Mother's Day, a bit before, depending, we really, really watch the weather. Because when we bring a, all their trucks in from our nurseries, we can't just load them up and put them back away. Like it's if they're outside, they're outside. So it's uh, it's a it's a big decision because you sort of you're in the forty, fifty thousand dollars per truckload. I don't want to have too much money sitting out there um, getting <laughs> no. frozen. So because and most of them, even if the plants do get a touch of frost. Uh, most of them, they're still fine. They get a little bit of touch on their foliage, and then still, once you plant them, they'll grow out of that really quickly. 
um, they'll they'll dish those leaves that got a little bit of frost, and uh, and they'll continue on. But uh, yeah, it was because I was kind of um, some of the magnolias out there were just popping. Um, daffodils were up, but I was kind of curious. Usually, I like to go down. We do a little drive by downtown Vancouver and, as well, and, and there was no blooms really, a, not a whole lot yet. So um, the odd trees where there was some sunshine. But uh, so don't, like I said, don't be discouraged. Like we're don't just going yeah. out. <laughs> Probably in May, somebody might have something poking through. If you have a really great south or west location and you have some daff- daffodils in those spots. Um, maybe if, you, if anybody has anything, send us, uh, send us a picture um, if you have anything popping up. And I do want to say a happy birthday. My daughter turned 21 today. So crazy. Happy birthday, Jaden. And a lot of people that come down to Spruce see her roaming around there. She does all kinds of stuff on the machines. She's cashier. She waters. She, um, Brad, I know the, the ops manager, he sort of, he, uh, we call them Batman and Robin. And, uh, <laughs> so happy birthday to Robin. Yeah, happy birthday, Jaden. Yeah, so happy birthday to you, and uh, have a great one. Her and all our friends, a bunch of them went out last night, and uh, so that was uh, fun. So anyways, and her and I get to go to the hockey game together um, on our birthday, So, which is uh, looking forward to that later on today. Yeah, and nice. hopefully the Flames can continue our little bit of a playoff push because it does feel like winter, so why not watch hockey, right? <laughs> we are in Canada. Um, yeah, actually, got a, we got a email from a text actually sorry not email a text and if you want to join us phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 and lisa was asking she says hi merle we're in calgary looking for a tree for our backyard to provide a bit of shade but not block our view from the second floor west facing so lots of sun late in the day we'd like something that stays around 12 feet and this is a really common um, request that we get and isn't too messy so no fruit planning on getting advice from spruce it up but thought we'd ask now anyways thank you lisa um and i suggest i go hey lisa um gladiator crab i know you're not asking for fruit but this is a great choice it stays in that lower height gives a bit of shade beautiful flowers but the fruit stays on the branches for the most part like they're not they're not gonna drop anything like those old doggo crabs. I know anytime and I know you get this too, Terry, when we mention all of a sudden you say the the bad word crab apple. Crab apple people just have visions of that um those doggo crabs and you have the mosh pit underneath your <laughs> yeah. your tree. Yeah. And uh so that these ones, the gladiators are great. They the fruit stays on there. But I love you get the crimson color leaves, sort of copper leaves, beautiful pink flowers, um, and just uh, and the fruit brings a lot of birds in, so they're coming in and they'll eat that fruit throughout the winter. And then she just actually sent another test, Lisa. So thanks. Are there any maples small enough? I think the biggest question is: Are any maples big enough that will get to that height, twelve to fifteen? It takes a bit in Calgary. Um, and, and and the survival. So what any maples, Terry, or another tree that you might suggest for Lisa? Yeah, for maples, I'd definitely look at one of the, the uh, Amber maple. Uh, there's uh, Hot Wings maple. Uh, does really yep. well for us here. That's a good one, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, Hot Wings is good. Um, she doesn't get too, too big. Nice, nice showy red Samaras on that. So uh, for maples, we're a little more challenged with maples. They tend not to... I've seen them... I've seen the sort of the... Not, I won't say the odd one, but they have to be sighted right. Um, when you when you get that right spot, maybe the place that's got a little bit more protection to it, um, maybe a backyard, um, south-facing, you know, that's got the benefit of, you know, um, an added bit of a microclimate going on, is where you can kind of see those thrive. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I always try to steal people, not away from maples, but just make them aware that they're, um, if we could grow the, the great big, you know, beautiful big leaf sugar maples here, you'd see them everywhere. Uh, and they are definitely more of a challenge here for us. So uh, there are newer ones coming out uh, all the time. Uh, we've got uh, a, a few of those coming in. I don't have the list in front of me right now. But um, we always are looking for that good zone three uh, hardy um, maple. So there's some work being done out, out there on them. But... Uh, for reliability, I'd stick with the Ammer or the uh, the Hot Wings. Yeah, no, those are good ones. And I've yeah. seen like a couple along the pathway in in Sundance. There's a, a Prairie uh, Crimson. What's it called? Pra um, Prairie Splendor, and it's the purple um, maple, and it it's surviving quite well. I've seen a few of those, and uh, but. Again, really slow growing, so to get any kind of shade or anything, it's going to take a while. So yeah. just uh, you got to be really patient with those. And I, I like to put them in the front of a bed typically because they they become more of a focal point, like a Korean maple. Right. Um, except for the hot wings, it grows pretty quick, but it doesn't really look like it's a maple. But it doesn't really look like totally like a maple. Um, and you get. But you do get those beautiful red bracts or whatever at, um, in the fall, which look phenomenal. Um, but uh, but they're, like I said, if you're looking for a true maple, it is a little bit tougher. So I and then this in a lot of people, if you do want to go to our website, we do have a great um, tool on there that's called a plant finder. So you can type in there what you're kind of looking for, what height, color, foliage, flowers, no flowers. And it'll bring up all the plants for you. And you can just click on them and it add to my plant list, add to my plant list. And then when you go to print my plant list, it'll put it all in a nice list for you. And you can just print that off or save it. And then you have a little shopping list with everything in there. So when you come out, spruce it up, you can say, hey, we looked at these. This is kind of what we're looking for. Um, do you have any in right now? Stuff like that. It's not an inventory list of what we have. It's to be what's available for our zone and we do try to stock a lot of the stuff on there, but there's definitely um, things that we do not uh, have all the time. So, so we are trying to build up our inventory and and being out there. I was telling Terry, like in past years, like seven, eight years ago, I'd go out there, you'd see six, seven foot, five foot Wichita blues, beautiful everywhere, and now you can't find one. Like the highest we're getting no. is that four, five foot, maybe. It's just our inventory has been depleted and they're not widgets. You can't just make them right. Like they're not just made up. They have to, they grow, they do their thing. So um, I know all the nurseries are working really hard and there's just a bigger demand. And, and then we're also competing with the U S for inventory. They're coming up here buying 
stuff out of our out of our nurseries as well with the taking advantage of that dollar and i know we look at doing that a bit from down south but it, it it's hard to um, bring it across with that beautiful 40 percent exchange rate that uh <laughs> makes it lots of fun to to deal with so anyways so we're we're, we're definitely on um hopefully on a better trend starting to get towards more inventory for everybody but if you see stuff you like um pick it up we had uh i was talking with a customer in the greenhouse yesterday and we had these little flowers um i think they were called hogwarts and he just asked how often do you get those in i said very like every six months maybe so i said if you if you're looking for any he goes yeah i've been looking for one i would grab it like it, it's sort of one of those ones right now we're still in that trend where if you see something you like, I would pick it up. Um, yeah, yeah, get it. And uh, and Terry came home with, uh, I think he left <laughs> half his baggage uh, where we were, and he filled it up with plants. So <laughs> it's funny. I, I go through yeah. the greenhouse pretty quick, and I, I have to go through usually twice. Like on my second round, I come and find where Terry's at because he has his head in the in the in the weeds in there, looking at all. He's way more thorough than I am. I'm kind of so I kind of laugh. I get I get to do two two tours of most of these and uh, catch catch up with Terry on the second one, and I then we finish up. I just do one tour, but it's very thorough. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, I, I love yeah. watching it. You get your head stuck in there. You're reading all the tags, a lot more thorough. And uh, and uh, I, I enjoy that. I appreciate your passion for the. <laughs> and uh, our last grower, we went and, and uh, the this this couple, they just started this. They took over uh, one of our suppliers and they grow a lot of grasses and perennials and different stuff for us. And we've been de- I've been dealing with her. She had worked with another company for years. And uh, so now they, they have their own and, and we're partnering up with them with a, for a lot of our perennials. And, and she, the big smile on her face when she sees you and she, she tells her husband, she goes, yeah, and, and Terry's a plant geek. And yeah. I, it's like, <laughs> not only is he a great buyer and all that stuff, but he's also a plant geek. So plant you can't really too. beat yeah. that. When you, when you have your buyer being a plant geek, you're in good hands. So, uh, and that's why we have such a great selection of uh, perennials and trees and shrubs uh, down at, at Spruce It Up. We got Terry at the helm there. So I'm very happy about that. And I better take a quick break. All right. And when we get back, we'll take calls 403 974 8255. We've got lots of texts coming in. We'll answer those as well. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And we do have one caller on the line, Terry. We're going to go to Danny. Good morning, Danny. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Great. How can we help good. you? Um, I live uh, near Brooks, and uh, I have a farm and I have a mature we'll call it a mature yard site with lots of big trees okay and I just would like to add to it as the trees get older they you know more and more branch they more and more branches are falling off every year so I was wondering what's a you know a, a list or I could text you guys my email address or whatever um, I'm looking for like a list of trees that aren't gonna die and also that grow relatively quickly okay um, and I'd be out open. there, like laurel leaf willow is a great one. Are you looking like for like larger trees? Well, I'm thinking of doing like a, 
a list, uh, like a row of uh, like needle trees, like coniferous yeah. trees, and then yeah. maybe like another row or two of uh, like a leaf tree. Okay, like how far away from your house is this sort of like an arboretum, like around like an acreage, or are you talking yeah, like, like a? It's like a yard. I got like half an acre that I that I want to kind okay. of fill up. Yeah, so you're sort of sort of doing a perimeter planting all the way around, yep. sort of thing. You bet. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Water. Water. Not a problem either. There's. There's water. Yeah, you can set up a drip system or something. Yeah. If bet. if I was doing that, that's what I would do. I'd I'd probably get like a three quarter inch. Um, you can buy it from one of the irrigation supplier guys out there. Yeah. Um, and just put that all the way around, and then just run spaghetti tubing to to each tree as as you add them. Yeah, it's just a great way to water. You're not going to be wasting any of your water and stuff like that. And it's get that slow, deep watering that we talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is very beneficial to to trees and that when you do plant them. I would do a great mixture. I would do some clumps of three or five. I would do some trembling aspen mixed in with some pine. Like you could do some mountain pine, some ponderosa pine out your way. Um, they would do really good out there. And then I'd do some mixture. I'd do like a grouping of five laurel leaf willows, maybe a couple of prairie cascade willows. Um, sort of do some groupings of three to five to seven. So if you went yep. three deciduous trees, <laughs> do two coniferous or five deciduous and uh, and then uh, two two more of the coniferous. Sort of mix it up a bit. Sort of treat little individual clumps though, so it looks. Like you sort of planned, like that's each little section. Yeah, I think you'll end up with something really, really nice. What was the name of the two? You said prairie. Uh, was it um, prairie cascade willow. willow. And what was the other one? Um, laurel leaf. So I like those because they 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 grow quite quickly. They hold their leaves on long. Um, yep. They do self prune, so they when when you're growing them, you do need to clean them up a little bit, but they give you that instant long foliage especially out in brooks where you're going to be it's just nice to get something that hangs on to stuff a little bit longer and and they grow quick and they look great when you mix them in and then i really like mixing the aspens a couple clumps of aspens with some yep. pine and then you could also do some some blue spruce and stuff as well but that gives you a, like this you have a great opportunity and that's your you have a good size lot where yep. you can uh create that nice perimeter planting and i would sort of get rid of the grass wherever you're doing a planting so if you do it 15 20 feet wide and yep. then i just i would put bark mulch underneath that and then just sort of cut the lawn in that sort of on the outside perimeter of it and let yeah, the yeah. perimeter be that uh, bark mulch with your trees and shrubs and um you'll create a great little place and would you plant those like 20 feet apart then yeah, depending on which ones they are, like the aspens, you can go a little bit closer. But absolutely, that fifteen to twenty feet is a is a great rule of thumb. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, like I said, you can go to our website. We have a great uh, thing called the Plant Finder if you want to look at some yeah, of this yeah. stuff. Just I just wrote that down when you were answering the last text message. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you guys. Awesome. You're welcome. Bye. All right, and. Uh, those are that's a great size lot where you can do a lot of stuff and we got one more text here i'm just going to do it quick before we have to take a break um right. they're asking they get this pig thistle and their wild grass on and in through their lawn and stuff you're in an acreage so you're able to go to 
um, the UFA and asked for a product called Transline or something like that. It has a great residual for thistle. It'll get rid of it, and it works really good in your lawn, and it's a selective herbicide. It won't kill the grass, but it will get rid of the thistles. And then if you're using our Green It Up Lawn Fertilizer, that'll help choke out a lot of the other stuff. we got to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper as well. And we're going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Scott. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Good morning, Scott. Morning. Hi. Um, I planted some contoniasters last fall. Um, okay. They did. They, they took very well and stuff like that. But I just noticed that we're facing south, and most all of the snow is gone now. Um, a little bit of the root ball has been exposed. I don't know if it's just erosion from the snow melting or not, but um, what do I do to correct that? Should I dig them out and plant them a little deeper or just put some more topsoil on? I would probably put a little bit of topsoil. Is it just the crust sticking out? Could yeah. you could also, like, do you have them in, like, do you have the grass taken away from there, like in a trough sort of thing? Yes. Um, from... Yeah, initially I did for up to the sidewalk, and this year when the spring comes, I'm going to take back another six inches and put another uh, line of the edging down just to give them a little bit more space. But yeah, yeah, I would just you could either just if it's just like a, like a half inch or a quarter inch showing, um, you could just um, do your soon as, like do your edging, or you could even just cover it with some of the shredded bark mulch right now. Okay, um, that would just and that really helps hedges especially like that keeps the weeds coming up keeps the grass coming up in between and it just helps hold the moisture in on those so okay. i would just look at doing that because it's kind of you get them planted perfect for doing that so if you get it too deep and then you put mulch sometimes we suffocate them okay so gotcha. you have a good opportunity to to put mulch in there um and plus it just makes it uh, nice and neat and then just um put put that when you cut the grass out just make a nice straight edge and uh and this go fairly deep so that way the bark mulch is an inch or two below your grass so when you're mowing you're not taking out all your uh all your great mulch that you put in there okay would i put down a fabric before the mulch or just no. mulch right on top just mulch. if you if you're doing bark nuggets we use fabric if you're using shredded mulch i don't recommend using fabric because I find that the most time the mulch just blows off the fabric. Okay. So I would just put the mulch right in. It weaves itself together and creates its own weed barrier. Okay. And then you just have to top it up every couple of years or something as it decomposes into the ground. So it's all good for that. Right. And uh, and then if you just want, if you just plant last year, you can just, like I said, lay a soaker hose over top as well. And uh, and that works really good for watering those in. And, and don't hesitate to give it a little trim, like take four or five inches off the top and the side and not maybe not that much off the side but trim it up a little bit it'll help thicken it up here as it gets its uh spring growth oh okay fair enough good all right thanks very much yep you're welcome okay, well. <clears throat> we and uh we, we, we used we don't get as many catonia aster hedging eh, Terry, as, as we used to see no we um just the demand has sort of People are into other things for for hedging. Um, now they're they're looking beyond Catoniaster. I mean, we stood still Stella, but not nearly the volume that we have seen in, in past years. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. And so, and I was going to also mention to Scott is just keep an eye every about first of July. Typically, you might want to give it a, just a quick spray 
of the pure spray green, we do get the scale. And and if you if your hedge is dead and looking really ratty, um, get someone out or do it yourself. Cut that thing right down. Um, we've had a really bad infestation of scale over the last couple of years, and it's been pretty nasty on a lot of our um, Catoni Aster hedging around town and it spreads like it's quite invasive so if you are yeah. one of those ones then i've seen lots especially in some of the older areas in town like going down elbow drive and get into some of the the older neighborhoods you'll see a lot of the desiccation and this where the catoni asters are just decimated um from the scale so if you happen to have one of those houses either um call someone in to get that looked after and you can cut them right down to the ground um sort of three or four inches off the ground remove get rid of all that uh old wood and and dispose of it and uh you'll your your hedge will rejuvenate and just start from the bottom and and just come right back and you'll have a nice looking hedge because right now it's all that energy is trying to go in and get all that old wood back to life and it's never going to happen so no. you're, you're you're much better off to just take it right down to the ground get that rejuvenation process started um give it a really good shot of fertilizer like even 202020 something like that good all-purpose fertilizer and uh get that thing growing again and uh and get ready let's help fight that cycle of that uh, scale that we're we're seeing on a lot of our our larger hedging which is it's unfortunate because it it is a great hedge it's a bit invasive in some areas they say um, I haven't seen it take over in spots like they, they it's sort of on the invasive list but I, I, I find in Calgary um, it, it doesn't uh, quite have that as as some other plants um, have definitely <laughs> overtaken like when you plant that geranium the the perennial geranium in your yard or or some of those other things so um, what 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 are you using for a hedge? Terry, what are some of the things that you would maybe recommend if someone came in? Uh, I have a probably three go-tos for hedge. I like actually um, <clears throat> one's a little unconventional. It's it's actually a rose. It's the the Therese Bouguet rose um, works yeah. fantastic here. Um, actually, have a few in my backyard. I was just looking at the other day. They actually look like red your dog with like the stems are bright bright red against the snow. Uh, easy to grow. Actually. Um, the uh, the parentage is um, <clears throat> uh, in Alberta, um, I believe up Lacombe area. So okay. It's a really it's a really good one. Tough, tough, uh, grows fast. It's up you know four or five feet tall, so it's it's great. Uh, I also like the um, also native to us the powder face willow uh, is a great one. It gets about three feet high, um, maybe a little taller than that, but three feet high, three feet wide. Uh, it's it's a nice tidy little it's silver uh, so it's it's a real yeah that's a different fish. looking hedge for yeah. sure that'll add some little characteristic for sure we don't get a lot of silver plants here so that's a nice one powder face willow and then I also like seeing um, like the the dwarf Korean lilac like the Meyer eye lilac uh, as a hedge as well works great doesn't get too too big. Uh, you can trim it up, shape it if you want, but even just by itself, it has quite a nice natural uh, look to it. So probably my, okay. my three go-tos there for, for hedging material as alternatives to, to Tony Astro. Yeah, and my one I like using, um, I've used Nine Bark quite a bit. Um, nine bark, I find yeah. it loves, 
loves being pruned, grows really quickly. And uh, like I said, you can shape it. You can kind of get that nice uh, shaping of a, of a great hedge. Um, I know we've talked in the past too about hydrangeas. Love using those as hedging. And I like to add um, the prairie or the purple spire or the green spire, even crab apples every so often in a hedge. If you want to create a bit of that tower look, like a bit of a pillar in between, like so if you plant one purple spire then go three or four hydrangeas and then a purple spire again and kind of gives you that nice little it just sort of lines your your property line if you want or along a fence or something just to to break it up a little bit so definitely some alternatives and carl forester grass planted in a two two or three foot wide swath makes a beautiful hedge like just that it just divides and just fills that spot in uh really nice but we better take a quick break again. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper as well. And we are taking your calls and texts on 403-974-8255. And uh, we're going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Brenda. Good morning, Brenda. Hi. Hi there. How can we help you? I'm just wondering, is it too late to plant the poppies in the milk jugs like you had said once before? I'll let Terry take that one. Terry? Uh, nope, not at all, because we still have lots of cold outside, so I'd, I'd plant them up. Uh, they do need light to germinate, um, but they also like that period of cold. Okay. So I would just uh, pop them up, um, shake those seeds on top, and uh, miss, <clears throat> miss them a little bit before you close them up. Probably just pop those jugs onto your uh, onto your deck or outside on, up against the house kind of thing. They'll still okay. get that period of cold uh, that they need to sort of break that dormancy. But uh, I just started a few more myself a few weeks ago, so still lots of time to do that. And so you just and about how many seeds are you just sprinkle them on the top? So like a four liter jug of just sprinkle the whole thing, and then do you cover them after you? Uh, sprinkle the seeds on yeah so just the seeds are so so tiny on on, on poppies so i just right. gen, uh, liberally sowed them on top of the, the soil uh, i didn't put any soil on top of them oh, because okay. they, they, they do need that light to germinate oh, so okay i had the soil that i used in the jugs was i had wet it down first oh, okay sowed the seed and then just with a, a mister i just sort of missed the top and then uh, taped up the seam and set them outside. So. And do you put the cap on the jug? Don't leave the cap off. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of a way for it to regulate the, the temperature inside there. And do you but have to water them after you've done put them out? They're actually pretty, because it's kind of a closed system, Yeah. Uh, you might have to water them at some point, but that'll be um, a ways down the road. Like You're not going to have to do that right away. You're not going to be watering it oh, okay. once a week. But uh, do that, set them outside, and kind of forget them for, for a few weeks. Uh, I would suspect that as we're sort of starting to climb uh, into the plus temperatures and then dip down at night, I mean, they'll love that. That will help them to break dormancy for sure but uh, i'd probably check them in a couple weeks just to see what they're doing okay and you said they you could put them on the deck like they don't have to be in a snowbank then 
Yeah, you can put them on the snowbank if you've, if you've got some snow still. Uh, I've got a few spots around my yard that I could still put them in, but really that cold is going to be what helps break that dormancy. That okay. doesn't really rely on that um, insulating value of the, uh, the snow. But okay. if you've got the snow, use it, yep. Well, I'll give it a try. Yeah, it's pretty oh, easy. Yeah, okay, thanks a lot. All right. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, Brenda. You know, and it's and one thing we've also heard um, that again this year with prices of of produce and food going up, there's going to be a huge demand on on veggie growing and uh, all that kind of stuff again this year. So Chris is doing a. Um, a gardening class, and I think it's April 16th is when she's doing it. So if you want to sign up on that, you can look at our website. And uh, Chris is going. It's going to be a fairly thorough one. It's like two and a half hours of uh, of growing fruit. I mean, growing food, veggies, and stuff in your garden. So she'll get you going from start to finish, and uh, and you're learning from one of the best out there. So Chris has a, a has a great course that you can sign up, and then we also have a pruning course. That Mark Trozo, our pruned up um, guru, is going to be running as well. So you can sign up for both of those on our website, and it'll link you to the to the the link that gets you signed up for those. Um, I got uh, and and I and I appreciate this text from from Donald. Um, he goes, "Good morning, Merle. Please don't disparage too much on the dog old crab. It makes beautiful red jelly." And absolutely, like uh, I know, I uh, if you're not one that does that type of thing, um, it is it's quite a messy. But for the people that do do the preserves, make the jelly from it, it's one of those prolific producers that gives you tons of fruit. So um, definitely, so I, I agree. And he asked if we could do part of our show, uh, of a show on fruit and food that could be made into preserves. So let's do that in the next week or so, Terry, next couple of weeks. Let's get yeah. a list of uh, some of the sure fruit and and different stuff that you can do into preserves and also stuff for canning. My mom used to can everything. Like We'd have even carrots, all kinds of different stuff out of the garden um, and tons of fruit and homemade jam and all that stuff, like sometimes you'd complain, oh, I want the store-bought smuckers. You didn't realize how lucky you were <laughs> having that homemade jam in, in the basement and 20 jars of it and all that till you, you realize how how bad some of the stuff yeah. in the store tastes after you have that good stuff. So uh, sometimes those are some of the things as a kid you look back and you said, oh, I wish I was probably a little nicer and appreciated <laughs> some of those things a little bit more and uh i know i talk about gardens all the time because we i growing up we had a huge garden and we were spoiled that way you just you wanted some peas or something you just whipped out to the backyard i had like eight rows of peas and carrots <laughs> we like you could always go grab some so sometimes you, you took it for granted and uh so to my mom and dad i i appreciate everything you guys did back in the day they're both gone now but uh definitely in my memories all the time yeah. yeah, they're smiling now, knowing, uh, hearing you say that. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's yeah. uh, it's funny. It was just part of uh, we had a larger family, so you had to to feed everybody. And some of the stuff that people are going through now, like with the pricing, like we seen fuel there in Vancouver, a dollar eighty. 
Our fuel yeah. here has gone up to a dollar forty. Um, it's gonna, it's hard. Like it's uh, it's expensive. So um, again, so paying attention to what you grow, grow what you like is what I find the biggest thing is. Sometimes I see people grow trying to grow too many things. Start out with some of the easier stuff. Get your confidence up. Um, take some course. Join the Calgary Hort Society. That's a great um, group of people for information. They have chat lines and people that love to share. Um, so we'll get you growing in the right ways. And if you go to your garden centers at this time of year, they're a lot as busy, like especially on a day like this. Like yesterday was really quite busy in the garden center, but today with it being cooler, it's a perfect day to go, and you're going to get a lot more like time if you if you need some time with somebody to to help you through that. And, uh, and and they and it won't be as busy, so you'll be able to go through and pick out. And a lot of the seeds are going to be picked through. I know we have a huge supply coming up, and we've booked a lot of seeds. But some of the stuff this year, we, we could definitely see a bit of a shortage again. And I'm a shortage on time. i got to take another break. I look down, I go, where did that go? Um, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. And we are getting a few texts coming in, um, people showing us some plants that are popping up, some tulips and different things up against foundations. And and don't worry too much. The snow won't hurt them. The snow is a bit more of an insulator. It's actually good for them. Um, even if you have a little extra snow, if you want to keep them slowed down a bit, you could throw a little bit of snow over top of them. That will just help uh, get water into them up against the foundation and also just get them through these next couple cool days before the before the, we get the warmth coming up later in the week. We're going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Louise. Good morning, Louise. Good morning. Hi, how can uh, we help you? Good morning. Well, I'm going to build some planter boxes up okay. high because I can't bend much anymore. And I just wondered... What is kind of the bare minimum depth and width? Um, for depth, I would go going, 18 to 24 inches sort of thing if you could. You could mm -hmm. go a little bit like 12 inches is decent, but if you have the opportunity, if you're building them, I would go a little bit deeper. Okay. And Louise, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you a big yellow bag of, and you can get awesome. some great soil to fill this raised bed from our good friends at Eagle Lake Landscape Supply. Oh, um, they're the guys that, that produce the big yellow bags. I was just going to ask what, what type of soil to use. I know, it? I could feel it coming, so <laughs> I thought I'm going to beat you to it. And uh, so our good friends at Eagle Lake Landscape Supply are going to bring you, and uh, Renee will get your name and number off the air here after we're finished, and she will uh, get your info, and then we'll set that up. And the big yellow bags, and we should start seeing those popping up over Calgary as the true sign of spring tulips and the big yellow bags popping up around here. So, anyway, so congratulations, Louise, oh, on that. Thank you so much. And they have some great, so when you do order it, just talk to them. They have a few different soil blends that you can get. I'm just telling them you're using it for a raised bed, and they'll ensure that you get the proper um, Mix. list, our proper product. Um, in, in delivered right to your house there. Awesome. That is just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and Thank if you're you using so wood, most of the pressure treated is safe now. It doesn't have any of the carcinogenics that they had in the past. But just right. make sure 
you're, if you are buying pressure treated wood, ask them at the at the lumber yard, is it safe for food? If not, stick with cedar. Okay. And uh, you can build it out of that. Wonderful. Anything else? No, that's it. And thank you so much. All much right. We'll put you on hold. You're very welcome. Yep. We'll put you on hold, Louise. Thank you. And uh, Renee will take your info and get that set up for you. All right. Bye. Uh, all right. Congrats. Bye-bye. There we go. We, we, uh, we're we going to give away uh, a little something else a little bit later on if, uh, if we get the right call here, Terry. And... Um, what else do we got going here? <clears throat> Actually, one minute. We don't have time. We do have another caller, but we'll we'll just wait till after the break. We'll get to Gloria. Okay. Okay. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. We are getting lots of text, which is great. Um, and we did have one um, text. Hi, is it easy to grow Myers lemons inside? I, I find them really quite easy. Get them in a good, bright, sunny spot in your house. And they do prefer sun. I like to put mine outside, um, typically around June 1st until September 1st. And, and they love being outside. They they get that good pollination. You get lots of lemons and nice sunny spot. They will thrive outside for you if you want to get them out. But if you want to leave them in the house, they'll do just good. Get them in a good, bright, sunny window. And and then you should be good to go. And they like a deeper pot. And they like to be fertilized with 30 10 10 a little bit more acidic for them and they, they prefer that type of uh, fertilizer to help them uh, survive the best we're going to take a quick break you're listening to let's talk gardening on qr calgary welcome back to let's talk gardening i'm Earl coons and if you'd like to join us phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 i'm here with uh, terry kemper as well and he's the tree lot perennial manager buyer down at spruce it up so any of those questions you have, you're more than welcome to give us a call. Again, 403-974-8255. And right now we're going to go to Gloria. Good morning, Gloria. Good morning. Um, I have a, two questions for you. Okay. Number one, we have uh, a large garden and we have potatoes. And there's something that goes into the potato and I have never found a worm in it or anything but there's all these tracks that are that go through the potatoes some of the potatoes are worse than others the red ones seem to um, have more of them than the, the white ones okay. um, and do you do you rotate your crops on your potatoes we try to it's it's difficult because you know there's just so much space and, yeah yeah do you have it, any idea what that would be? Um, without seeing, like, I know there's, is it possibly a scab just on the outside, but you're actually seeing the little trail go through there? Yeah, it's not a scab. Okay. Um, any ideas, Terry? Like, I know there's a potato borer. There's a few different little pests um, that do go through the, through some of the potatoes. But, uh, Terry, any thoughts? Yeah, I'm just trying to think what that would be. So when you cut open the potato, there's actually this tracking through the through the fleshy part of the potato. Is that right? You're mostly close to the skin. To the skin? Yeah, it, it's so if I cut the skin off, most of it is gone, and and then there's some. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's it. They don't go all the way through the potato. And it's, and yeah. it's like a 
uh, tunneling, is it? Yeah. They're just hmm. lines all the way through, and it, I cut them off because I just don't like the looks of that. But there aren't any, aren't any worms. Really, there's nothing there that you can see what it, no. what, what's making that. That's interesting. Um, I can do a little research here, Gloria, and see what, uh, what that is, possibly. Um, reach out to a few people. But I'm not sure off the top of my head what, what's going on there. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And, and, and they seem to be getting more and more and more. From the beginning, it was just a little bit, and now mm. there, there's a lot more of them. Are you planting in raised beds at all, or you're raised no. to the ground? No, we live in, in, in the country, and we have a flat um, uh, garden. Flat garden? Okay. Yeah. Um, I have seen uh, people grow potatoes in raised beds. That I would maybe try that as an option, if you can, you know, get a 10 by 10 or a 10 by 20 area and bring in some better soil perhaps for a season try it and see if that makes a difference okay. hey terry no so i just had a couple of texts uh from some of our listeners and they're suggesting that it sounds like potato um wire worm that sounds potato like it wire worm. yeah it's yeah it just it leaves it being damaged but it it it's just it's something that goes through them um, the the crop can still be eaten. It just uh, it's a little bit unsightly. Is there a way to control it? Does it say? Um, I'm just going through this thing. It's hard because you don't want to treat it with too much because it, it's a systemic. You don't want to st use anything in the potato because then obviously you're going to be eating it, right? You're going to be eating this, yeah. Yeah. So one of the best ways is rotating your your crop. Um is one of the best solutions. Maybe switching up the type of potatoes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank uh, you. And and also, do you have a cure for the little black beetles that come around the beginning of August? I always and, thought they came from the canola crops. You know, those tiny little jumping yeah. black beetles? Yeah, they just, they're actually a maple bug. They're fine. They don't really do anything. Oh, um, please, no. They demolish my garden. Oh, they, really? Must they, be the, they eat okay. all the, the, the um, cruciferous um, plants and, okay. and the kale and cabbage, all of those, the, bro the, the broccoli, everything. And then they go to everything else after they've eaten all of that. Okay, so it's a different <laughs> one. I was thinking of the... We get this, the maple box elder bug. It, it comes in the, typically when it warms up, they love hanging out by the concrete areas and warm by your house. Oh, yeah. And they no. typically, but if you're getting a black beetle, you might want to look at the pure spray green works really good on some of the beetle stuff. I have tried that. Oh, my gosh. And sometimes you just, you have to do it two or three times. The problem is there's so many of them, like the ground just turns black. It's, it's unbelievable. The plants are just black. They there's gazillions of them. Are you sure? Is it aphids? No, no, like, no. They, They're little black beetle. beetles. They jump, and it, oh, okay. and they make noise when you come, and they jump off and oh, they're they're unbelievable. Well, if you're in an acreage, you might want to maybe go to your UFA and chat with them. You might be able to get something a little bit more egg power. Okay. And what you can get. So just maybe go to them, let them know what you have, 
and they'll be able to help you out and get uh, the proper control for that because uh, you could be getting it from somebody the crops or something and I'm sure the other people would appreciate um, if everyone gets together and maybe get those under control as well so just if you go to your UFA guys um, take your legal land description with you so when you go to buy anything there you'll, you'll need that on the chemical side and then they can set you up okay awesome All right. thank you all right. All right. Oh, do you want to know something? We we yeah. went for a little quad ride yesterday, and we came across a herd of deer. There must have been over 40 of them, all female deal, deer. It was just amazing. That's I, crazy, eh? I have never, ever seen that many deer in one spot, ever. And I'm sure there's a couple of males waiting around the perimeter. Sure. <laughs> That's what happens. Eh? All the females round up together. They know the the males are out there. So they. <laughs> but that was an awful lot. It was it was a huge herd. It was really well, kind of cool. <laughs> that's nice to see. Well, that's great to hear. Thanks, Gloria. As long as they don't and come into my garden. And good luck on your beetles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. All right. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open. You can give us a shout, 403-974-8255. Um, and we also have Maria on the line. Let's go to Maria. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Good morning. Good, thank you. Uh, I realized I have another question. First one was about my black currant bush. It's really not producing a lot. I've pampered it as per your suggestions last year fertilizing it i'm wondering if it's one of those bushes you just got to cut right down to the ground terry how uh, how old is that <clears throat> that black current probably about 20 years old <clears throat> 20 years old okay it could probably do with the rejuvenation sure uh and your fertilizing arm is um have you been fertilizing it regularly over time or just last just recently summer was the first time i started fertilizing it Okay, so you might see the benefits that fertilizing you did last year come up this year. So I, uh, <clears throat> if it's 20 years old, though, I would I'd probably start with uh, with a good prune on it, and then I think what you've done so far and continuing continuing to fertilize it um, should uh, should see the, the benefits of that for sure. Does that mean then cut everything? Well, it does. Yeah. Tell me do, how far to cut. Yeah, we do take. If you're if you're going to do a rejuvenation, you kind of lose that year, call it right. It's sort of that rebuilding. But how big is the shrub right now? It spans three four feet. It'll get four foot tall. Four foot tall. Okay. So <clears throat> I would I would probably if if you're if you're looking to you know start fresh with it, uh, I'd, I'd probably take it down. Um, into that you know six inches high sort of range okay um, give it a give it a good haircut and then you'll probably see a lot tremendous amount of growth on it uh come this year by doing that because right now uh that plant has put all of its energy stores into that root system and then come spring as it wakes up uh it's going to start wanting to push that growth into um what it thinks is existing plant material it's not there anymore so then it goes and uh grows much faster for you this year okay thank you 
I yeah, and is there is there much deadwood in it too? Uh, you might just need to thin it out. Like if it's I've not really that. ready. Last couple okay. of seasons, I've thinned out the deadwood, but it okay. still only produced a little bit of fruit. Yeah, and like Terry was saying, then then possibly just hit it a few times early spring, maybe give it a little extra of the fifteen thirty fifteen, um, get that phosphate built up, so you can get some bit more of the fruit producing. Okay. Now, it is now shaded by my two raised bled, bleds. Okay, well, that that's going to be a big problem as well for that. Yeah, it won't grow in much shade. It's going to need a, probably a full sun location to do its best. Ah. Yeah, especially for the fruit. Like, the trees will survive in the shade, um, a bit of shade, but they won't produce. They need that... Uh, they need that photosynthesis and they need the plant. They need that energy from the sun to produce that uh, grapefruit that we all love. <laughs> so I was hearing from a former caller that we need to dump the dirt out of our raised beds. And I was going to ask about that. How much of it? All of it? And reason? No, just the top third. Like, you know, and just more where the roots are. Like, dig through it and just pull out any of the the roots and some of the debris and things like that and then just top up that usually the top between 15 and 25 percent just mix in new soil and, and turn it over try and dig up some of the old stuff and mix in with new stuff and then you're totally fine you, you don't need to um unless you have a really narrow if you only have something that's maybe eight inches deep you're gonna have to replace that a lot more but if you have something that's nice and deep usually remove the top bit with all the roots and stuff um, and then mix up the lower part, and then just as you dump in new soil, just mix it up with the old stuff, and you're, you're totally fine. I think I want to dump it all because I want to move those beds so I have those delicious black currants. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to help you a little bit with this with a gift card from 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So when you cut all the stuff down, you make a big pile. Um, our good friends at 1-800-GOT-JUNK can come help haul some of this away for you if you like. Oh, if that works, wonderful. we have a $100 gift card for you that uh, our good friends at 100GOTJUNK will come. They take almost anything, and they come in, boom, 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 clean it up, and away you go. So we're, we'll give you a $100 gift card to 1-800-GOTJUNK. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, and uh, we'll put you on hold. Renee will get your all your contact information, and we'll get you set up with your okay. gift card for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Wonderful. All right. Take care. Good luck with that. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a break. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And, yeah, actually, the end of the elm pruning is over now that we're into April. Um, so if you have the, your elm trees, we it, uh, it's actually against the law to prune your elm trees uh after this date now so uh unfortunately if you didn't get them done you're, you have to wait till fall and i think that starts up again at the end of october and uh up and through till the end of march is typically when we when we do any of our pruning on our elm trees so that is all finished up 
we got lots of texts here that we can go through. Um, and we're, when we are getting some great pictures of uh, little little plants popping up and uh, and going through. And we did have uh, one quick text here. I repotted my big monstera into an 18 to 20, but only gave it a little bit of water. Um, uh, whenever I transplant, and she's getting a little bit of ed brown edging on her plant, on her leaves now. I always recommend on that first watering, if you transplant, you want to give it a really good thorough watering so that way you get all the soil down deep, nice and moist all the way around the root system and that. Because otherwise the soil works like a sponge. It will take away any of the moisture from the plant as well. So it, it, it'll it, they kind of work against each other when they're both dry like that. So really recommend is... Uh, is make sure you give them a really good thorough watering so the water comes out the bottom of the pot if you can. Um, if you have a pot with without any holes in it, you're not able to do that. But ensure that you give it a good good shot of water um, after you transplant um, when you do that. Uh, Terry, when uh, so this week coming up, it's going to be nice and warm. Yeah. Um, still oh, lots of snow out on the ground, but uh, we're going to get some warm weather um coming up um so for, for perennials when do you recommend people like say this week is going to be we're going to see a lot of stuff kind of starting to pop here and there a little bit um when do you get out to your garden when when do you, would you recommend people get out and really start uh cleaning up yeah as we're into april here uh it's not a bad idea if you got some really long stems from things you know hollyhocks for example or um Carl Forster, that type of thing. Uh, I'll go do, um, I, I kind of do a, I call it stage one cleanup. I get that, that big, um, big stuff first. Uh, anything yeah. that's sort of low, small, um, <clears throat> that's still maybe giving some protection to the crown of the plant, I'll leave that for now. Um, <clears throat> that way, if we do get a little bit of snow still, it helps trap it around the, the crown of the plant. Uh, and then later in the month, as we, you know, um, around the corner into May, I'll usually go through and then give a really good cleanup to things that are starting to really push. You just want to make sure that you're not, um, that you're catching things at the right time. So as that new growth is coming up, that it's not growing through the old growth. So you're going to have to watch depending on what it is you're growing. But I kind of do it in some stages. I don't do it yeah, and that's a, That's good advice because we do get a lot of that um like we our weather changed as we know like yesterday you're plus 10 kind of thing yep. and then today it's cold and we're gonna we're still gonna get a fair bit of that um coming up in the next uh couple weeks month where it goes up and down up and down and uh so yeah doing stages like don't go in and and that's unfortunate when we when we're reading a lot of the literature out there that's for us uh, they tell people at right, this time of year, April, you get out, clean up all your perennials, do all. Yeah. But in Calgary, in this area, you don't because then you open up all that tender green growth and there's no protection. So you, you let Mother Nature do a little bit more of that. But I agree. Yeah, you can take off the top if you have those long tops and things like that. Your Annabelle hydrangea, Carl yeah. Foresters, things like that. Yeah, clean them up, get them down. But a lot of the stuff, yeah, just take off the top. 50% or whatever, but leaves, leaves some coverage. It, it, it's still very beneficial. We had a couple of texts from our past call there about uh, some people. 
couple people think it's the flea beetle, which when flea I'm looking beetle. at this, it sounds like it. And it, it's just saying using the permethrin, which is a great one. We have that available um, at, at the garden center. So you can use permethrin. It's saying that it, it, it controls um, them quite well. So you might want to use that to help eradicate those beetles. So um, also we do have the garlic spray as well. And someone said, and they have good luck with it is using a garlic spray um, to get rid of the flea beetles. So a couple of solutions there for you, but definitely sounds a little bit nasty. <laughs> so, and, and especially if it keeps coming in and uh, I, I, you always hear flea beetle, but I guess I haven't really, we haven't had a lot of calls on that um, in the past. So, I, I appreciate everybody sort of steering us towards towards that because I wasn't really thinking the flea beetle, but in, in looking at this, it definitely um, looks like that would be the problem. I'm looking at controlling the flea beetles and vegetable, and yeah, it just gets them coated and it just chews it up like crazy. You can go after your hostas, kale. They love a lot of the the foliage plants, so definitely yeah, you want to uh, ensure that we get that looked after as well. And another thing at this time of year, you want to make sure we are getting ready to do our spring fertilizer um, in your lawn. Once the lawn melts, get all the snow off and it gets dry, um, you can give it a light rake and, and, and get your greened up lawn fertilizer onto your grass. Um, still a little bit early. You want to let everything thaw out a little bit, clean it up, and then you're good to go. We got to take a break right now for the news you're listening to. Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. And I got one quick text, and then we'll hit the phone lines. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And this uh, texter goes, I have raspberries. And this is a question we get all the time. And get a good crop. However, the fruit is small and has many seeds. Um, I'm considering pulling them and planting another variety. Um, I wonder if the the variety is is shrinking uh it, one thing i'd recommend is remove all the de the gray deadwood on a yearly basis sort of when you look through your raspberry crop you'll see gray and and brown wood remove the gray each early early spring um that will ensure you get the good airflow all the growth goes to that new growth on the second year wood that you're going to get the where the fruit's being produced and also, is what other varieties would you recommend, Terry, um, for the raspberries? I know there's a few that do really well here. Is there is there some varieties? But I also think most of them grow pretty good, and they might just need that thinning out as well. Yeah, we probably bring in, um, I'd say, four or five raspberries anyway. So uh, she didn't sound like she didn't know what she had there. So what I might do is I, uh, I'd, I'd probably. Um, help those out a little bit, might invest in a, a bag or two of some sea soil to shake in that area, and then try planting some some new ones, like a little bit of Heritage or Boeing, um, and just see if that makes a difference, if she sees a difference between those newer ones and some of the older ones. But definitely going in and, and doing a clean on the, on the existing patch uh, wouldn't hurt at all. Absolutely. And because yeah. uh, most of the raspberries, I know unless it's the, unless it's the native variety, like the really... Like the ones that you see and still in the forest, 
some of those are really quite small, but most of the ones, if you've planted it, they produced and they typically produce a pretty decent fruit. But I think thinning out, um, fertilizing and watering um, will ensure that you get nice, good, juicy raspberries. And every time I, th I think that, I think, where can I put those to? Like, I, we should almost plant a, a few rows at Spruce It Up and uh, just uh, have for uh, for the team at lunchtime, you go and pick a little bit of energy boosting raspberries, Terry. So Raspberry heads, look at yeah. That. Yeah, maybe we could do a couple of those little things would be uh, craving some fresh raspberries. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to the phone lines. We're going to go to Tony. Good morning, Tony. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. How can we help you? Um, my question's about a apple tree. I bought, I believe it was a Honeycrisp apple tree from Costco probably five years ago. Okay. And it has never bloomed, and I sort of planted it by itself, um, thinking that my neighbor's apple tree might be close enough, um, which is probably about 100 feet away. Could this be the problem I'm having? But you're not getting any blooms, though, right? None at all. Um. First of all, don't buy your trees at Costco. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that might be the problem. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 100%. So there you go. Um, and they do have some good varieties, but you do have to watch. I've been in some of the box stores, and unfortunately they bring in varieties that aren't – because I was in there a couple of times, I've seen Gala Apples, and I've seen like um, the – the the real cherries that we see in BC and they're trying to sell them here. It's just they don't grow right. Um, right. But that one, the Honeycrest Honeycrest should be a good variety. I'm thinking um, being close to your neighbor that has nothing to do with the blooming. But when it does bloom, it does need to be close to something for a cross pollination. And typically, there's enough fruit trees around most neighborhoods that you don't have to worry about that. So what I would do is look at getting some fertilizer here this spring. Ensure that you give it a really good watering in the springtime, slow, deep watering, and then fertilize with 15, 30, 15. And you might want to do that maybe once a week um, when you start seeing the buds swell and start warming up. Let's get that thing blooming. And just even when it thaws enough and it's not budded, give it a, an early shot of the 15, 30, 15 to get some phosphate in there and get that going. Okay. Um, for cross-pollination, um, at, on the same day, I actually bought a uh, tart cherry tree from the same store. Yeah. And that, and that one has produced an incredible amount of cherries for me. Is, is that, when that one blooms, is that fine for cross-pollination as well? Yeah. Um, no, it, the cherry won't um, cross-pollinate the apple, correct, Terry? That's right, yeah. And cherries are self-pollinating, so they don't need it. Uh, another a plant, but the, that apple tree, we generally say within about 500 feet uh, between should be good for, for cross-pollinating on apples. So, Okay, so, because um, I do know, I, I do feed them, um, water them with some really good water because I do have a koi pond and it, every time I clean the filter, I, I use okay. that for the garden beds and everything else. So, but uh, you're thinking possibly just yeah. More just be careful with some of deeper. that water that you're using, like that. Just to, maybe you might want to even want to get it tested to see what is actually in it, because sometimes you could be doing more harm than good if it's if it's too strong as well. Because if you're using the water straight out, it might just be a little bit careful on some of that stuff. Because sometimes we think everything's just natural. Sometimes it's a little bit too much, 
and it could be okay. causing some rot. Could be there could be no phosphate in that. It could just be lots of. Are you getting lots of growth on the tree? Um, with the exception of one year um, where we had that really really nasty winter, I think two years ago. Yeah. Um, the tree sort of hibernated almost the whole summer, and then sort of came back toward the end of the year. And then uh, last year it was it was uh, it was good growth, and I I tried pruning it into, from what I understood, into a bowl shape. Um, from what I was reading online, I don't yep. know if I, that's right. but Yeah, you kind of want to get it, depends on what you want to make it easy for harvesting as well, right? If you just let it go straight up, it makes it hard, and then the branches, they don't thicken up, and you get, and they when we get finally get the fruit on there, it gets too heavy on them, and they'll sometimes snap. So yeah, right. doing some pruning, get them to grow a little bit more horizontal, a little bit ball-shaped is perfect, yeah. Okay, good. So I'll I'll try. What would yeah, just try to use some trace element. Like I love some of the organic stuff, um, like out of the koi pond and stuff. Like that. But you just don't know what you're putting in it, right? So, um, I'd probably either like go to a Rage Plus or I'd go like a fifteen thirty fifteen. Let Let's get some trace elements into that thing so you know what it's getting. Um, our lawn fertilizer is a great one just to to mix into the soil around it. You can put a couple cups of it. And just mix it into the soil around your fruit trees because it has the high middle number. It's great for fruit trees, things like that. Um, okay. But if you haven't had blooms, let's try and give it a jolt. So um, give it a shot. Like sort of when you just when it warms up and we see some a lot of other stuff popping up because your apples will be a little bit later. Um, give it a good shot of 15, 30, 15. And then sort of once it gets grown, you start seeing it just budding. Give it a little shot once a week, maybe not necessarily full strength, but water it good first, and then give it a shot of the fertilizer again. Let's see if we can force it into some blooming for you. I appreciate your advice. Thank you very much. All right. Let us know how that goes. I will. You guys have a great All right. day. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to uh, Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. And the consensus is, uh, I think, 100% that Gloria had flea beetles. And another one that someone recommended is the row cover. So it's a, it's a, a white fabric. It sort of looks like landscape fabric, but thinner. And you can use that as a row cover to cover some of the crops to keep them. If you have a lot of those flea beetles, someone recommended that as well. Um, so definitely, um, I would say it's flea beetles from what all of our great gardener listeners are, are saying that they've seen and heard. So thanks for that. I haven't had a lot of flea beetle questions in the past. So um, no, I didn't realize YouTube. it was, yeah, I didn't realize it was that common. So um, that's great that we, uh, those rascally flea beetles, let's get rid of them. Let's let's go to Steve on the phone line. Good morning, Steve. Well, good morning there, Merle and Terry. First of all, a very happy Easter coming up, and I hope the bunny's good to you guys. <laughs> Absolutely, same to you, Steve. How's things going? Oh, a lot better, my friend. Uh, listen, I've got a couple of questions for you guys. I'll make it quick and short. Uh, first of all, I had a major operation last February, and I had to cancel my big yellow bags and everything for the yard. So I got to reorder those this year, and uh, I wasn't able to empty my fish ponds or even start them up last year. 
And I was wondering, uh, you kind of took the fire out of my talk here because you talked to your last guest about the koi pond he has. Uh, yeah. With that water that uh, comes out of the ponds, can I spread the wealth around or chuck it out? Um, I, I don't think it hurts to spread the wealth, like for the most part, but if you're trying to accomplish a certain thing, um, like Tony was with um, trying to get something to bloom, um, I'm not sure it has the right trace elements for that, but as an overall additive, uh, uh, for everything I read or hear, it sounds like a lot of that water is, is usually beneficial. Um, I wouldn't dump it all in one spot, but like you're saying, Steve, if you can spread that around yeah. um, um, over a bigger area, I don't think you're going to do any harm at all. So Excellent. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. that's perfect. They've been covered for a whole uh, season, and uh, so th that'll so uh, work perfect. So they'll be stewing in there nicely, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, growing up on a farm when I was a kid, we used to have uh, an underground uh, septic tank, and around that tank, the grass was always like just the brightest green you ever saw. And that's where I've always used the water out of the ponds, but it's been seasonal. It hasn't been left like uh, two winter melts in there, rain and everything else for two years. Yeah, and when you see the septic tank, that's a lot of this because a lot of them have the, the, the fluid. Um, they have the fingers going off the tank, too. You'll see those green stripes. In a yeah, lot of people's had, lawns and the older had, tanks uh, the, where we had the, the water comes out. Tile, actually, that uh, we had to replace yeah. the kids. And got the old man, got uh, my brother and I out there to dig the trenches and that pull up the old ones to put new weeping tiles in. So. <laughs> yeah, what a shitty job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad, eh? Thanks, yeah, Dad. Yeah, great. But that's the best. Like, for, for, for any of our listeners that have the septic fields or septic tanks, um, it is great. Um, mowed grass is the best thing. It helps them percolate, keeps them nice and healthy, um, so you don't have to dig up uh, those uh, weeping tiles like uh, like, Steve like had we had to do. His kids. Yeah, lucky yeah. I'm in the city here. Now listen, Merle, right, another questions. thing for for my uh, 30 year old pine trees and uh, spruce trees and junipers and also uh, tons of cedars on my property here. Um, I was wondering, uh, 301010 is the best fertilizer for those? Absolutely. Good deep watering um, first, and then if you if you if you have some bark mulch, give them a good cover of that. It really helps. It has been drier. It helps keep the moisture in, and absolutely fertilizer thirty ten ten is great for those. And Excellent. you want to get that. That was my early. next question for you. Is around the base of the trees. I've always done what you told me years ago, and just raked up and uh, kind of piled all the needles and the pine cones and stuff absolutely. around the bases of the tree. Yep. And um, instead of putting the bark mulch down, I was wondering about uh, pea gravel putting around there. It, it just and any of the gravel though, it's just you have to use a fabric, and then when you get the needles falling in there, it just it, it'll end up covering up your gravel anyway. So I try not to battle Mother Nature on that one. Just, just stick to a natural what I'm doing, product. Like you told me. Yeah. Just keep raking all the uh, pine needles and the pine yeah. cones just up around the uh, around the, the trees. So it looks yeah, no. Tidy. If you want, if you're willing to do that and keep it up, it just the gravel is obviously a lot harder to keep um, tidy, and it doesn't hold a lot of moisture. Sometimes it heats up. So I, I, if I had a preference, I would go the bark mulch and a couple boulders underneath there, get a little bit Done more of that. a natural look. But yeah, if you the want only to thing do I that, haven't done is put the bark mulch under there because, uh, it, as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of a fire hazard. Um, 
it shouldn't be like I said. If you're watering and stuff like that, like if something, but I, I guess if if you have a guy out having a smoke and he throws one down, then that's, that's not what good. I'm thinking about the peat moss problem that they've had. Yeah, you know, you, yeah, you don't really get that spontaneous combustion the same way. Like you get a little bit, but you don't get it. Like if it's up against a house, I know what you're talking about, where you where a like a flower pot. Um, you'll suddenly get that spontaneous combustion and it heats right up or if someone puts a cigarette butt out in there and actually exactly. I had a yeah, yeah. Exactly. but you should be good with bark mulch I haven't really heard any of those popping up on fire so okay that's great guys well listen man I'm looking forward to doing my garden after being uh, put on hold for a yeah, while yeah I, I was and I haven't heard from you for a while so it's good to hear from you Steve and uh, and let's uh, let's all have a nice healthy spring 2023 and I hope that uh, the bunny brings you lots of eggs, old friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Hey, you, you dig them up. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Steve. Good to hear from you. We're going to take a break, Terry. And if you want to join All us, right. phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. Um, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And... <clears throat> the foam board's almost right full. So I'm going to go through these quick because we are in our last uh, seven minutes here of the show. So let's go to the phone line right away. Let's go to Genevieve. Good morning, Genevieve. Good morning, Mel. I've got, I forgot to plant some tulip bulbs last spring. Yeah. And I found them in my fridge in a brown paper bag. What do I do with them now? Well, if they've <laughs> already been in the fridge and if you pull them out, I they're still to. nice and... Yeah, and if they're if they're nice and firm, um, yep. you can just pot those into a pot right now, um, and just get them growing. And on some of these warmer days, like this week, don't don't hesitate to put that pot outside. And and for the most part, if it doesn't get really like below minus like five or something, you should be good just to leave that pot right outside on a sunny patio in some <laughs> soil growing, and it should just grow nicely for you. Okay. I'll try that. All right. Let us know how that goes. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Let's go to John. Good morning, John. John there. The uh, tumbler tomatoes we were talking about last week, how much yep. space does that take? Do you, Would you know? If you're going to grow them in the ground, John, about every 18 inches. Okay. Maybe two feet at the most, but 18 inches is a good spacing for those. And then they grow for how much? Or um, well, they'll grow sort of like sort of ten inches on each side from oh. the center. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, those kind of just ooze over. Or if you have them in a hanging basket, like typically one per ten or fourteen inch hanger. Oh, okay. That's all right. Good. And again, they're fairly heavy feeders. Feed them with the fifteen thirty fifteen or the tomato food, and you should be good to go. Oh, I got your number on fertilizer. There you go. Thanks, John. <laughs> Take care and have a good check on you Easter. Well. Take care. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys next Easter. Let's Bye. go to Pat. Good morning, Pat. Hi, Pat. Good morning. Yes, hi. Hi, how can we help you? Um, I planted a cherry bush several years ago in my backyard. It was supposed to get to be about five feet tall. It's grown into a 15-foot tree, and it's sending suckers out all through my vegetable garden. I've been cutting them off at ground level for years, but it really doesn't seem to help, and it's getting worse. And I'm wondering if I trim off the suckers, can I paint the tips with Killex like I do with the poplar trees that spring up? 
Yeah, you could definitely do that. Are you getting cherries or fruit on it at all? Or Yeah, I get really nice cherries, and they're much sweeter than the cherry tree in my front yard. They're huge, oh, wow. bigger, and they're sweeter. I don't know what the variety is, but they've gone crazy, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. It'd be interesting to see that. If you think about it in the summer, maybe send us a picture of that. That would be cool to see that. Okay, I will do. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. And we got one more. We're going to go to Marianne. Okay. Actually, Marianne's gone. Um, so, Terry, like going through, we, we did the flash. Uh, we went through some quick questions there, but we only have a, about a minute and a half left here. Um we we a cherry tree like that my only worry listening to that would be um in using the kill x to to i guess kill is you just don't want to get it in too deep because it, it can go through the all the roots to get in to kill the rest of the tree as well yeah it sounds like she might have something special there especially if it's a little bit sweeter cherry um i i'd, I'd be I'd probably just try to prune those off rather than using a, anything that's going to get in there and act systemically. Uh, yeah. Just because just I hate to, if it's, if it's producing and it's healthy. Um, I, yeah, we yeah, don't want to mess with that. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm curious to see what that was. Um, just if it has a sweeter cherry and to grow that tall, and it kind of sounds like it's a prolific grower, grows fairly quickly. So um, would love to uh, find out exactly. And we're still getting lots of people texting about Gloria's flea beetles. So, flea beetles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, here, I have a quick question here on the text. Hi there. We are planting a greenhouse and wondering if it's better to put the raised beds on concrete for some thermal mass or keep them connected to the ground for depth and maintenance. I myself, I would just put, leave them in the soil. I wouldn't put a concrete pad down first. I would definitely just do the, the the soil, and then it'll just heat up like that. Your thoughts, Terry? Yeah, same. I would just go right into the ground and <clears throat> into the soil. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're done for today. Thanks, Terry. All right. Okay. All right, and thanks for everybody joining us. Um, call in a bit earlier next week, everybody, and uh, typically beginning of the show, we have a little bit more time, but we'll get our garden on right here next week on QR Calgary.